Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. You may have been following the saga, the story, the drama of the Cyril Malabar Church, which is a church that was a church that is centered in India. It was founded by St. Thomas the Apostle himself, and they're very, very proud of that, as they should be. The Cyril Malabar Church is in other nations, including the United States of America. But there is a rift, an ongoing story. We did treat it previously, but it's still ongoing, it's still developing. And so we need to look at it some more because it's an example of something that is much greater and deeper regarding the Eastern Catholic Churches and the Roman Catholic Church. The saga is about the orientation at the liturgy called the Kurbana of the Cyril Malabar Church. This is a Syriac and East Syriac-based liturgy, very ancient. The original tradition, as it is in all churches, even in the West, was to celebrate the liturgy or the Mass, Kurbana, facing east. In other words, facing the altar, everyone facing the altar. At times, of course, the priests would turn towards the people, but generally they're facing the east, the altar. After the Second Vatican Council, some of the Cyril Malabar churches adopted the orientation of facing the people, in other words, pro popolo. And there is now a rift in that church as to which way the church and the people should face during their liturgy, their kurbana, in other words, their mass. Now, this has gotten heated enough that there's been an intervention by the Pope. And the problem is actually two-layered. First of all, it's the question itself of which way should the mass, the kurbana, their, their liturgy, be oriented? Should everybody face east, or should they do as what has happened or was adopted by the Cyril Malabar Church in many areas after Vatican II? In other words, a little bit in imitation of the Latin rite, where they turn the altar around and face the people. And what the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has done, he has, first of all, encouraged that the way should be the ancient way. Pope Francis has been actually very respectful of the Eastern churches and their traditions and holding on to their traditions. So he recommended that this church, the Cyril Malabar Church, face east. But that ran into resistance among those who want to retain what was the 
more recent custom imitating the Latin rite of the priest facing the people. So what the Holy Father has said then after that was, okay, let's do this. For the first part of the liturgy, the kurbana, in other words, the mass, people can face the priest and the priest can face the people. And that would be the, as we know, the liturgy of the word. And then after liturgy of the word, of course, we go into the liturgy of the Eucharist. In the Byzantine rite, that's called the anaphora. And the Pope said, the priest faces east during that. So he can face the people during the liturgy of the word, but he must turn and face east, face the altar for the Eucharistic part of the liturgy. Well, that was still being rejected by those hardliners. It's a number of priests in India who are being very hardline about wanting to face the people throughout the entire Kurbana. That's the one level. The second level has to do with a question that is one of the questions before the eyes of the church east and west. And in this, I include the Orthodox Church. In other words, it's a big question, big question for ecumenism between the Orthodox churches and the Church of Rome. And this question, this division, this schism that happened 1054 AD and is still a schism today, should be very much on our mind and our hearts because we cannot continue to go on being basically complacent about the fact that the body of Christ, the church, which was one body, although expressed in two lungs, east and west, for a thousand years, like a marriage, man and woman, they're different, but they're one in marriage. That's how the church was for a thousand years. That's how it's supposed to be. But the last thousand years, there was a schism and we've been apart. There's been this schism between the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church for a thousand years. This is not good. This is an urgent issue for everyone to be very concerned about because we're talking about the holy, mystical body of Jesus Christ on earth, which is the church, which at one time was united as one, although expressed east and west, and now it is torn. It's torn in many pieces. This is not good. This is an urgent issue. And what happened was when the Portuguese, the Latin Rite Catholics, went discovering and sailing around the world, they were very good at that at the time, centuries ago. This is in the 16th century. When they arrived in India, they encountered this Cyril-Malabar Rite, which was very ancient. And again, they boast, rightly so, that they go back to the time of the Apostle Thomas. I find it amazing that Thomas went all the way to India. They didn't have transportation then like they do today. Anyway, when the Portuguese Latin Rite Catholics saw this Cyril Malabar Rite, they thought it was not really fully valid. They found it to be strange. And so they began to tamper with it. They began to put pressure and influence on the Cyril Malabar people to adopt the Latin Rite customs for their worship. This is known as Latinization, the Latinization. And Latinization is a very black mark on the church. And I must speak frankly here today on this issue because it's a very vital issue. And we're seeing it put in front of our eyes through this rift in the Cyril Malabar church. Because part of what they're angry about is, once again, an intervention by Rome into the affairs of their church even though half of their church appealed to Rome to try and bring some kind of compromise to this, this critical rift. But it's hearkening back in the minds of many Cyril Malabar Christians in India to 400 years ago, when Rome once again 
meddled in the affairs of the Eastern Church, the Sri Malabar Church in India, and brought in this Latinization, which was actually a very bad thing. It's kind of like a computer virus getting into your computer system. And what Pope Francis has done, and the reason why I am addressing this, because it strikes close to home for me and my church, because what Pope Francis has done is he has sent to India, to the Cyril Malabar Church, an envoy representing Pope Francis to try to bring about some kind of solution. And that envoy is Archbishop Cyril Vassal, who is from my particular church, the Ruthenian jurisdiction of the Byzantine Rite. He is from Slovakia, but he is from the Ruthenian jurisdiction, the Byzantine Rite, same as mine. So this kind of strikes close to home for me in a number of ways. Well, recently, you may have read about it, and this is sad to say, but it is kind of telling about things. When Archbishop Srivasso arrived in India to try to bring about some kind of solution, he was met with a lot of rudeness and resistance to the point of having rocks and eggs and bottles thrown at him. He had to be protected by security on his way to the basilica to do the liturgy. And they even were attacking him while he was in his own car. And he had within his hands the Eucharist, hoping that in a Eucharistic procession to the church, the people would at least respect that. But the radicals, the ones that are rebelling, did not respect it. They thought that was just weaponizing or using the Eucharist, and they're like, no nonsense. They want no excuse. You can't fool me. Don't use that Eucharist. We're mad about this, and we don't want your intervention. In fact, they were saying that he should be deported. In fact, they're trying to press the government to deport Archbishop Sirovassel. This is some of the latest developments as of the recording of this program. Other things may have developed since, and we will be keeping you abreast of those things, because this is a very, very important issue, and, as they say in the news, a developing story. Stay tuned. There are other details. But it points to a very important issue historically in the Catholic Church, an issue of the place of the Eastern Catholic Churches together with the Roman Catholic Church, or we might call it the Latin Rite. The question is, how are the Eastern churches treated by the Pope of Rome? This is a burning issue and one that the Orthodox churches watch with great, great attentiveness because it's part of what caused the schism in 1054 AD. Now, to give some background to this history, I want to introduce a principle to you. The principle that our gift, our genius, whether it's a person a company, a corporation, an organization, or the church. Our genius can also be our downfall, or maybe has a downside to it. It's because of original sin. Nothing is perfect. So the genius of the Catholic Church, especially of the Roman Catholic Church, the Latin Rite, is its sense of order and unity, a visible head in which there is a very clear statement that emanates from that visible head, the Pope, you know, the magisterium, the Vatican, on issues and order in the church. That is a gift. That is a genius. And why? By God's providence, the center of the church has ended up for centuries now, and probably will continue to be, in Rome, among those people, that culture, that mentality, because it has a gift for the juridical, for the organizational, for the unity. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the gift, but also the downside, which is part of this whole controversy that is happening in the Cyril Malabar Church in India, but also has a place in the whole history of the Eastern Catholic Churches in union with Rome. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day. 
Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you I'm Matt Wilcom, Director for the Iowa Catholic Radio Network, and you are listening to Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, addressing this ongoing, developing story of the Cyril Malabar Church, the rift in there, and the intervention of the Pope of Rome to try to reconcile this rift. And as I mentioned in the first part of the program, this is very important. It's an important example to look at the bigger issue of this whole relationship between the Eastern Catholic Churches and the Pope of Rome. Again, let's get something else clear. The Eastern Catholic churches are those parts of the Orthodox churches. And the Orthodox churches, that name was formed after the schism in 1054 AD. The Eastern churches call themselves Orthodox churches from then until today. The other part was the Roman Catholic Church. They call themselves the Roman Catholic Church, centered in Rome. Centuries after the schism in 1054 AD, there began to be reunions or partial reunions between the Orthodox churches and the Church of Rome. 
For example, my church, the Byzantine Catholic Church of the Ruthenian jurisdiction, reunited with Rome. We were with the Orthodox after the schism. We reunited with Rome in 1642. So in church time, that's kind of recent, 1642. From 1054 AD to 1642, we were not in communion with Rome, but now we have been for almost 400 years. Now, that's the case with all Eastern Catholic churches. So we are not Orthodox, although we have all Eastern Catholic churches, except the Maronite Church, have counterparts in the Orthodox churches because we all came from the Orthodox churches, but these were partial reunions. In other words, the entire Orthodox churches did not reunite with Rome and Rome with them. It was parts of them. And that's part of a sore point for the Orthodox churches, especially in ecumenical dialogues. They call us the uniate churches. It's basically somewhat of a derogatory term, although not entirely. So the Eastern Catholic churches reunited with Rome, and there was always a question about how they were treated by the Roman Catholic Church, by the Pope of Rome. And that history has been one of understandings and misunderstandings of tremendous charity on the part of Rome and the Latin Rite Church, but also outright persecution and mistreatment. That's been the story. I'm just speaking historically here. I'm going to go back to what I call the genius of the Latin Rite Church, but also, therefore, the downside of that. If your genius is going to be unity and administration and reason and order— and it is a tremendous, valuable, essential genius. What will be the downside of that? And this goes for any kind of genius or talent. It's going to be being perhaps too authoritative or seeking uniformity as a part of unity. That's a very easy mistake to make, that if you are part of us, you must be like us. You must look like us. And this is why today we tend to stress diversity, the value of diversity in unity. But that wasn't always the case, as we learn about with the case of the Cyril Malabar Church and the Portuguese missionaries that came there, or the explorers actually, and looked at the Cyril Malabar rite and said, this is not like the Latin rite, therefore it must be changed, it must be Latinized. So this was the downside of the genius of the Latin church. So sometimes the Eastern Catholic churches were treated as though they were second-class citizens like also ran, not really fully Catholic. Latin Rite is the real Catholic, and the Eastern Catholic Church as well, they're kind of like tolerated. They're part of us, but they're, they're not the real kid. It's sort of like a adopted kids. They're not the real thing. Now, this will sound maybe shocking or negative, but this kind of thing still goes on today, and in maybe less severe ways. For example, and this is much of this is unconscious and not intended. For example, you hear on Catholic radio networks or Catholic radio programs, they will say things like, well, today in the Catholic Church is the feast of, and they'll name the saint or the feast of the day. But that may not be the feast or the saint of the day in the Eastern Catholic churches. But you see, they're left out. So what would be proper whenever you're referring to the Catholic Church is to always qualify that. For example, to say, today in the Latin rite of the Catholic Church is the feast day of Saint so-and-so or whatever other feast day it may be. That would actually be proper, deferential, inclusive, that kind of thing. But it never really happens. And so the Eastern Catholic Churches, in a sense, get a slight in that way. It is not intentional at all. It's more of an awareness raising that has to happen. 
And oftentimes I'm asked when I talk about our church, my Byzantine Catholic church, they'll ask me, well, when did you decide to become Byzantine? In other words, the presumption is that Catholic, everyone starts out, if you're Catholic, you start out or you originate as a Latin Rite Catholic, more commonly known as Roman Catholic, but it's actually specifically Latin Rite Catholic. And then you maybe become something else, an Eastern Rite, by almost like a hobby or just a special interest or something. Or sometimes they see it as a religious order, like I join a religious order of monastics or like the Dominicans or the Jesuits. Well, uh, the Byzantines are like another order. But that's not correct. The Eastern rites of the Catholic Church are what they call suriurist. In other words, they're rites within themselves. They are a rite of the church, one of the many rites of the church, just like the Latin rite church is one of the rites of the church. It just happens to be the largest, overwhelmingly the largest, in most parts of the world, but not everywhere. So whenever I'm asked, when did I join the Byzantine rite, or they see me as belonging to an order, that again shows a mentality that the Latin rite is the way. It's like, in a sense, superior. And again, this is unintended. This is unintended. But it's a kind of a bit of an ignorance that nonetheless is hurtful or kind of slights the Eastern churches. Most people don't even know that there are Eastern rites in the Catholic Church, which is one of the reasons I am committed to this program and have been, and I'm so glad you listened to it, especially if you have listened to it over a number of years that we've been around, because we're trying to convey the beauty of the church, the genius of the church, as having both lungs, East and West. So getting back to the situation of the Cyril Malabar Church, Part of the two levels that I mentioned that this problem is on is this whole idea of how are they regarded or treated by Rome. In other words, a lot of them that are rebelling are saying, well, why is Rome meddling with us again? Let us take care of our own situation, clean up our own house. But at the same time, historically, Rome has been called to step in in problems in the Eastern churches. In fact, the way that the papacy was looked upon by many Eastern churches over time was that it was sort of like the tiebreaker. In other words, the first among equals, the go-to person, the Pope is, when in need. It wasn't where we waited for our marching orders from the Pope. We had our own patriarchs and leaders, own canon law and customs and traditions and theology and so on. But we still would need Rome at certain times. That's really how it's supposed to work. It's how it was early on in the church during the first millennium. But now things are a little bit different. The papacy has grown in its character in this past millennium for a lot of historical reasons. And there's this question of how much interference, if you want to call it micromanaging, should be going on with the Eastern churches from the Pope of Rome, from the papacy. And that is part of the question. Now, I know a lot of this sounds a little bit negative, and there has been outright even persecution of the Eastern churches by the Latin church. However, I want to emphasize, there has also been tremendous charity and fraternity shown to the Eastern churches by the Latin Rite Church. Overwhelmingly, that's what's happened. The Latin Rite Church opened its seminaries, its colleges, universities, schools, opened its chanceries to the Eastern churches when we didn't have that. Because when we came to different countries, you know, we came basically with nothing, and we were smaller, and the Latin Rite was well-established. So even to this day, in fact, in my eparchy of Parma, that's what we call our diocese, we don't have our own can of lawyers right now. The Latin Rite Diocese of Cleveland has been kind enough, fraternal enough, 
With all the work and workload they must have, their canon lawyers have been kind enough to take on our canon law cases. So the tribunal, they call that the tribunal for my eparchy, the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Eparchy of Parma, which is centered in Cleveland, Ohio, to be exact, Parma, Ohio, that eparchy of mine is using the services, the generous services of the canon lawyers from the Latin Rite Diocese of Cleveland. Now, this is just an example of the great charity that was shown to the Eastern churches from the time of our reunion. But there has also been things that were not charitable. There's been interference and pressure to become Latinized, in other words, to look like the Latin Rite Church if you're really Catholic. And this is a question that was from the very beginning of the reunions with the Eastern Catholic churches in Rome, and still is a question now. Although we have had tremendous progress in that issue over the years, especially in recent history, but nonetheless, it is being watched very, very closely by the Orthodox churches, because they're not going to want to come back into reunion with Rome if they think that their Eastern brethren are not going to be treated correctly. So it's a very important question, and we're going to keep following this, and I hope you'll stay tuned. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab, and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. WTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!